Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing fantastic, Neil. And I really, I just can't wait to talk to this next guest. And when you look at his initials, you'll realize that he's the original AAA. <laughs> uh, so our guest today is Art Aris. He's a director. And we had such a amazing conversation last time. And congrats on your success, Art. You got to feel great about how the movie has done and everything. It's got to feel great, right? You know, it, you it decided you decided to do it based on your church. You decided, I want to bring this story because of what you do. And, and congrats bringing that great cast together and the success in Fathom. So tell us the success, first of all, Fathom, how you did it. You have top 10. That's got to feel great. Sure. Well, Neil, let me say, first of all, we would not have gotten there without people like you guys. I mean, we just were really so blessed by the incredible PR that we had, but yeah, it did well in theaters. Uh, it was to be a one night, but in some places it went like two, three, four weeks. We just had some really good response. Of course, locally here in Florida, it did well. But anyway, yeah, we did. Actually, we had the third highest per screen average and uh, number 10 overall box office. That was 608 uh, screens. If they had given us a full regular movie release, we would have, we would have rocked it. We had the third highest per screen average. I mean, there was, um, there was a Marvel movie out and other ones that we just did extremely well, but yeah, we were, we were, we were grateful. No, that's yeah. fantastic. It, the timing seems just incredible with Christian movies that are coming out, just killing it now. And there's, <laughs> they're so needed now these days. Um, what can you tell us about like feedback that you're getting from your films and, you know, other films of directors that are, you know, doing Christian based movies? That's a good question, Greg. Uh, well, the, the biggest overall overarching comment we get, they cannot believe that this is a true story. We just hear that over repeatedly. We just had somebody just watched it up in Illinois that emailed and said, I kept watching this movie and I kept wishing, oh, I wish this was true. I wish this was true. <laughs> and then he got to the end and found it was true. He was just blown away. Um, but, you know, that was one reason, Neil, I really felt we needed to do a motion picture because it's such a powerful story. The ABC affiliate in Orlando had been over here seven or eight times to do stories. And we said to really capture the the essence and the epicness of this true story, we felt like we needed a movie. And uh, so anyway, it's you know, now we're on streaming platforms and we're I'm waiting to see numbers on that. I don't have numbers in yet from Amazon and Voodoo, but um, we just released, but we're hopeful. And that's 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 the exciting part is people want to do this. And then, then now when it's released, there'll be other parties, there'll be other communities. We're seeing this in the Christian realm that they're they're using this as a great way of ministry to put people together to watch these great films and that's the amazing part of it it's not just like one person streaming it it's a bunch of people streaming this that's the power yeah and the, and the great thing too about streaming because i just read today that you're in like 180 countries that's the beautiful thing about streaming it can just have immediacy to be downloaded anywhere else but yeah we um we are very excited about the story, but the big thing guys is we really want to see community impact and we're hearing great impact there. The vice mayor, you asked me what happened. The, they had a meeting in Nashville. The vice mayor of Nashville was there and other people and they're saying, okay, what can we do in Nashville? There's a group in Los Angeles saying we got a major problem with homelessness in Los Angeles. What can we look at this model? And basically we feel like we've got a model now that you can take in any community to really begin addressing addiction, addressing homelessness. It's just that, you know, we've done a, a, a pretty big heavy lift here in Leesburg, Florida, but we think that it's very duplicatable 
across the nation. And that's really kind of our hope to see happen with this, guys. Oh, that's so true. And I mean, even larger cities, you know, sure, there's people on addiction and sex trafficking and all these things that are just horrific and even talking about is is upsetting. But, you know, this, the single parents that, you know, mom who isn't making enough money, who has a couple of kids, you know, the chance of having a house seems like impossible and they're homeless and they're living out of their cars and the living time. with friends. And it's just, I mean, what about some of these like hotels that are abandoned or, or just run down and just need a facelift? Maybe they could be bought and, you know, subsidized housing and they could have their own place. I mean, I just love the concept. It's amazing. Well, I, I tell you, Greg, while really right after I got shooting the movie, I, I personally began getting calls. A lady uh, I'm, I'm here homeless. I've got an eight, I got an eight month old. I'm working here at Wendy's. I don't have a place. I'm living in a, a car right down the road here. And one thing that people, uh, what I share is this movie is 95, 98% true. I mean, that is true from the city commission meetings It's true from the, you know, what happened, the homelessness in our school system. And literally our County was, had the highest uh, unemployment rate in the, uh, in, our state had the highest unemployment rate in the nation, but our County in the state of Florida had the highest unemployment rate in the state. So we're like right at the pinnacle of this problem. And so I think once we opened this hotel motel to take care of homeless families, there was just a flood. And the interesting things that people don't realize that motel stays a hundred percent full every night of the year. Wow. That that's, that's fantastic. And I think that the expansion of that, I was reading up on this is, is amazing with the, the doctors and how the, you're really looking into the, the church is really expanding this into really the needs. Yeah. The yes. I tell you, Neil, the Lord is just pouring out our church. We're up to three campuses now. Last Sunday, we had 2,700 people and we're having people. I mean, the growth that we're having, you know, you read about this revival has happened in Asbury and we're so excited. We're, you know, behind that, but we're seeing great things happen here in Leesburg. I mean, we're just having phenomenal growth. But it's really interesting. I mean, we're, we're actually having some people come to our church because they saw the movie and, they, oh, this is great. This kind of church I want to join. But we are having a lot of people that are joining because they say, I want to make an impact in my community. And it's one thing to do something far off, and we all should do things far off and missions, that kind of stuff. But, man, when you we can't ignore the needs that are literally right in, in front of us. I had a conversation with this guy that he had some challenges and we we talked and he literally lived right across the street from a large baptist church and he said nobody had ever literally right across the street nobody had ever come and talked to him and engaged him and i one thing i really wanted people to see about this movie that christ cares about broken people and i think churches should be very involved in that yeah i think so too and i think it would be well spent if our government would give half a billion dollars let's say to its own country <laughs> To help these folks out, it's a you know, yeah. I you know I when I see these wounded warrior commercials, I'm thinking, why should we ever have a nonprofit raising money for wounded warriors? They should yeah. be taking care of the right. rest of, of their life. Yeah. Well, if, if I'm ever elected president, the first thing I will do is I will grab hold of the federal budget, and you <laughs> will never look back. I say our heirs for president. All right. So just tell us the quick premise of the film, even though I've already had you on. I was uh, playing a portion of the interview before. I said, okay, let me go back. You just Google my name and your name and it comes up everywhere. That's how it works. So from the last time, but this is part two. What should, just give us the premise really quick again of the film. Well, it, the, the story is, is based on the true, every it's based on a true story of a jaded Orlando Sentinel reporter who, you know, she gets demoted. She's here in this little county. She's not in Orlando where she wants to be. And she uncovers this story. And it's this true story of this church that's really trying to, trying to help the needy people of, of their community and, and the resistance they have from the city, the resistance they have from the neighbors, the resistance they have from people. And, and, and basically, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a welcome home, true life type of story that you really feel super warm. And people can't believe the last 20 minutes of the movie, but literally that is what happened with the, with the bank and every stuff. And so anyway, there's this huge struggle to buy this motel to take care of homeless families in the middle of the Great Recession. And eventually we were successful after a lot of great difficulty. But what is in the end of the story that really that is kind of like the pinnacle of the story. There's still a whole lot of stuff that underpins that where there's so many other stories as far as literally um, like right now, I just went by today, took a picture. We're building a 
pretty close to a million dollar, about seven hundred fifty thousand. We're building a feeding center that will give away over fifteen tons of food a year, and it's right on a main six line six with a hundred parking spots. It's right on a six lane highway, and we want people that they know when they go to the church. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm in trouble. I'm distressed. I'm having you know I'm you know we have a counseling center, but whatever that need, when somebody says I can go to the cross to get help. And that's what we want to see happen with, with Leesburg, where people come in here. So I know that I can get help with Christ. And we know that Christ is, is the solution. And I think Greg said something very important earlier about all the Christian films. I think why films, Christian films are doing so well, we give hope. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of films out there. They're, they're, they're not really hope filled. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of entertainment with no storyline. And you're giving a storyline with true emotion and true feelings that are family based. And Greg, that's the power. That's where you got to have a film, a movie for the whole family to see, Greg. Oh, totally. I mean, as one of my favorite mentors, Zig Ziglar, used to say, you know, if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. Yes. Absolutely. So, Art, so basically what's going on with you? Newer projects coming up? You said you have another film on the rise that's coming? Yeah, we're working on some animation. We're getting ready to do some 2D animation uh, that kind of goes along what we're doing. Uh, we're releasing, of course, Kingstone Comics. We're a pretty significant Christian comics publisher, but we also started a new imprint called U.S. Comics. Um, I read the 1619 Project. I got about three quarters of the way through it before I almost wanted to vomit. Um, so I said, you know, we really need to tell an accurate telling of history. So we started a new imprint called U.S. Comics, and we're coming out with new explaining, you know, freedom and the whole concept of, of why freedom came about. And some other, you know, some more general market comics because Kingstone Comics were really focused on the Christian market. We're coming out with a Spanish imprint called Kingstone Espanol. And our next film that we're working on is called The Lincoln League. And it's based on the true story of the African-American, the first black spy network in America. It was started by Alan Pinkerton and um, by President Lincoln. And we're, we've been polishing the screenplay and, and I'm going to bring on the same director to do it. We're beginning to get ready to do the Lincoln League is our next movie. All right. Okay. Greg has his final question. Go ahead, Greg. So what's the most important thing you've ever learned? Most thing I've, I've ever learned. Most important thing. Yeah. Is to care about people. Yeah. Uh, God cares about people in the midst of all the business, everything you still got to care about people. That's that's exactly. that hits it right there. That's so important to care. Isn't it crazy when people aren't caring? They're just going through life in the motions and they're missing the opportunity to make a difference and in any talent and anything you can do it. You just have to truly put yourself in there to do it. And there are people that need help all the time and you could truly make a difference in whatever you do. Isn't that true, Art? Yes. And that's what No Vacancy tries to tell. Exactly. Best place people can now, again, it's streaming. Where can they go? They can go to Prime Video. They can go to Vudu. They can go to Apple TV. They go to Google TV. They can go to KingstoneStudios.com. Wherever they want to go stream it, they can stream it. And uh, if they like it, you know, leave comments, especially if they do it on Amazon, leave us good comments, please. All right. And keep and congrats on the Rotten Tomatoes, too, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? That's, I guess, the whole thing, right? You get the Rotten Tomatoes, you're in good shape. Who would have thought Rotten Tomatoes would be the way? Appreciate well, it. Yeah, well, IMD too, IMDb too. So, yeah. so. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Art. It's All a right. pleasure. All right. Take care. All right, that was Celebrity Interviews Live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Take care. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and the Media Giant Effect. I'm excited to welcome the program. Jimmy Cicero. Jimmy, when did we wrestle each other? I was talking to a guy, just did a podcast interview about 15 minutes ago, and we're talking. I was talking about stories. You remember Punxsutawney, right? With it, when we were doing yeah. the Punxy stuff and all that. So I knew Jimmy from back in Steel City and all that stuff. And you were cue ball Carmichael and all these things. And Jimmy, you're still wrestling, man. So tell us, update us what's happening with you, your career. Like, let's kind of just, I want to jump really quickly back to you know when you were looking at almost getting signed and what what happened in the 90s during the attitude era to update fans and stuff and what and how you're still wrestling today kind of give us what happened there jimmy okay yeah i was I, in the 90s i was doing a lot of enhancement work uh, howard sprinkle and jim Cornette were booking me on a regular basis for the northeast me and julio remember julio sanchez yeah. okay 
we'd go up there and we'd do a lot of work for the WWF anytime they were in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, um, anytime in the North. And it was going really well. I was starting to get a little bit of momentum and coming up with some ideas that I had. And, and one of the ideas that I had was a, was a gimmick that I had called TQM, Total Quality Management, which was a almost a takeoff on Tony Robbins. Okay. And good thing about that gimmick, I mean, it was it was really creative and it was out of the box. The unfortunate thing about uh, that period of time is that I was doing a lot of wrestling in Maryland. And at the time, Stevie Richards was doing was coming down and doing also doing some work in Maryland. He was under contract at the time, but he wasn't being used. And he watched my gimmick. All the, I mean, he kept watching it and kept telling me how much he liked it. And voila, right to censor appeared on television two weeks later. Oh, so, man. Yeah, not, I got so many phone calls that night saying, Cicero, your gimmick's on TV. And I went, yep, sure is. Go figure. So that was heat for me because that was going, going to be the opportunity. That was the gimmick that I had been formulating for a long time. Okay. What I had to do was take a deep breath and keep on rolling because I love professional wrestling. I love teaching and I love doing it. Okay. So while that was a bitter point for me at the time, you know, here we are now, I'm 54 years old. I've been doing it for 32 years. And now I take my passion in helping the young guys learn how to do what I do, learn how to, I teach them the same way that Ivan Koloff taught me. Right. Ivan always was. It's not like you see sometimes on some of these, uh, on some of these TV shows where you have, you know, like tough enough, I guess, where you got, you know, screaming and yelling and barking. Ivan was the opposite of that. He was really patient, um, very detail oriented. We could go over something as simple as a, uh, hip toss going into a short arm scissors and we can go we go into something like that and work on it for two weeks straight because it was very important to not only understand how to control our bodies but the most important thing how to make sure we were being safe in the ring and and you know our opponent of course is putting their body in my hands right so it's my job job number one to make sure that i take care of them and that's what ivan you know he if, if nothing else he drilled into us you have to make sure that you are safe right. and that you are, are taking care of your partner in the ring. And that's and so important. That's Charlie Fulton trained me, and that's how I learned from Charlie, is basically we got to work and, and we're, we're taking care of the other person and learning from right. people that I was training with, Lou Marconi and Derek Stone and, you know, and Kenny Hendricks and all those different guys. So that's where I got trained. You know, I got there, then I went and uh, ended up uh, – Jumping from there over after when Mick said you should go to Burt Prentice, that's when I went down south. Then I came back and worked at PWX. And then, you know, me, you and I met at Norm's where I had one of the best gimmicks that would get over supermodel protege, having a seven footer as a supermodel. And that gimmick with Drew Lazario was one of the best. And I'll tell you right now, we were more heat and more over than any gimmick they had to kill that off. And that yes. was. That was the, the seeing a seven footer dancing in the ring. But see, this is what we did. We were creators, but we could work a match. You and I, I believe, meaning like any place, it doesn't matter. It's the first match, last match, because we believed in old school wrestling. We would get the crowd into it. We weren't doing these high flying moves or anything. We were telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. Telling the story and something that the fans could grasp onto and understand and appreciate, okay, we were entertaining the fans. They wanted to come, and they would see a little bit of everything. They would see, you know, Reckless Youth and uh, Don Montoya or, or Quackenbush, and they would they, those guys would be wrestling a mile a minute, okay? And then they're seeing myself and, and Julio or Q-Ball and Tom Brandy as, as pompous, cocky jerks. But then they would see, like you said, where else are you going to see a seven-foot guy going out there dancing and being a, a model, okay, right? Yeah, exactly professional wrestling all right so that's the uh that's the beauty that we bought to uh to at the time steel city wrestling i mean i, I loved working for norm back in those days it was fun and it was and then apwf was even more fun i felt you know that was a pretty cool time because again i worked in more of a gimmick like i was working for a pwx as a big guy but honestly norm creating big neil the real deal created the media giant today in the fact that he never gave me a character direction. I became who I was. I'm not this big, big looking like this. I'm just a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a media guy. 
And so when right. Aaron Lester said, dude, you, you know, and I, you know, gave it stuff on Devereaux and he gave me the ability at, 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 Bethel, at PCTV studios to be behind the scenes and be able to be a, a colorful person, intelligent and talk. They didn't want big guys to talk like that. I made Kevin Nash look like a dope compared to how I talk on the mic. But see, I didn't get that opportunity till after. And then after that, I went to Germany and then I retired in 99. I did maybe three comebacks, but nothing. But I will have to wrestle you in a comeback in, in Alabama yeah. at one point in time. But I want also, I'm calling out celebrities and different people, you know, and I'm in Dallas, Texas. And, and But I miss the business. When I walked away from the business, I think that that was one of the hardest things. And I thought it was right. I maybe it maybe saved my life because look at test and look at some of these guys, the big guys that they died. Right. And yeah. how lucky are you that you didn't right? And you're okay at 54. Do you say that to these guys now, all these bumps and taking these crazy hardcore matches that could really kill you? hundred percent. There's a smart way to do things, you know, and, and, and there's also find what, you know, it's, it's fine to get in there and wrestle and, and have your passion and everything else, but it's also important to have a level of, reality okay in other words for me what do i do i work for the department of defense for missiles and space here in huntsville at redstone arsenal i make good living okay i take care of my family my wife my two kids okay my adult son is is living out there near uh, erie but you know i have my two other boys okay one of which is severely autistic and nonverbal. he's 14 years old right that's my priority my priority is my family my job and what else do I? Well, I'm lucky enough to live, you know, 20 minutes away from the Rocket City Arena, where I can come and teach them twice a week, and put on biweekly shows, and still drag my old butt in the ring, and try to stay young, and so and and wrestle. So, but again, everything's got a pecking order, and everything's got, and that's what I also try to let these guys know is like, listen, you know, do not forsake things that are always going to be with you, like your family, to you know, to go to Timbuktu and wrestle. Okay. Be smart about it. You know, trust me. I know I used to drive to Timbuktu to wrestle. You me know? too. I would do the shots out to Wichita, Kansas, driving straight from Pittsburgh to Wichita to be the Sunflower heavyweight champion against Derek Stone. So, that's right. Yeah. I did those things, but Huntington, West Virginia, all those, but yet we are crazy and we're kind of crazy in a stupid way too. Yeah. Their shots that had all that stuff. I hopefully they're figuring out. That's not a great idea anymore, even though I heard these young guys are bumping and killing themselves and AEW is doing the same darn thing again. Why? I mean, didn't they learn the mistakes from ECW, how they beat the heck out of each other? And these guys are almost crippled, some of them, you know? W, right? Uh, how many of those guys, I mean, I, I was up there doing enhancement work as, there, as well. And when, how many of those guys that were there when I was there are now six feet under? You know, I mean... Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten, yeah. New Jack. You know, I could go on, you know. And I know Candido was was you know was wasn't through anything I think bad, right? Right. But I think that Jack, Axel, Balls, I mean, we're talking, you know, and 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 others as well, right? Big Dick Dudley. I mean, it, it's it's a pattern, you know. And it's it's a pattern, and I talked about tests who Andrew, I was on tour uh in Canada with uh with with a bunch of people with rhino and all these guys and man it was terrible to see what happened to him thank god rhino's alive but these guys and even you think about the rock and you watch these things are they how long are they going to live and i think that's where you're in a way you say i'm doing this for fun but i'm going to make sure i protect myself because of my family and all these different things but these wrestlers are living like to the the, the last life and there's only a few that made money and what happened yeah. to business? I mean, I was making a comment. You know, they're going to sell the WWE, and they had the number. They're going to give Vince a billion, but they're only going to give Triple H four million, three million to Stephanie and somebody else. So who was making the money? The owner. That's the end of the game. Is that you know who would you rather be? A star on the Cowboys roster or be Jerry Jones? You know that this is the mindset we have to teach people that I try to teach in, in certain ways. And now my persona has changed where, you know, I was a tutor and educator and really didn't want to talk about wrestling to now talking about wrestling and adding the media giant component to my business. 
So I'm, I learned so much, help brand people in the business of uh, business and entrepreneurship and authors. But now I'm taking back say, whoa, let's think about my brand now. But how much do we learn about that stuff? That is such genius. You learn from I, you know, all these people in the business and how it's really life is the business. And the stories we tell in the ring are really stories in life, right? Yeah, 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 100%. 100%. I, I agree, you know. I think so we, now, we, we but you got to be happy where you're at now and your ability to train and teach people. And how important is So tell us a little about Rocket City Wrestling. And I saw, again, Barry Koloff, which I'm cracking up, you know, because Barry and I and the Dog Pound, at the, again, another organization before I went in as a supermodel, I made it over more for Bubba. I had more heat than Bubba, right, Barry? I'm sure Barry agree with me. Okay. Right. And I, like I said, I've been here two years. Barry's been my best friend since I've gotten to Alabama, right? Accepted me into the promotion and, and made me a part of the school as well as the promotion. And and we take a great pride in, in the shows that we run. Uh, we wrote, we're the only promotion in Alabama that has run by every two weeks for the last seven years consistently. Now, granted, I've only been here for the last two years, but that's Think about that track record and the consistency that the fans have come to appreciate here. And, and we st- and we draw, okay? It's not like – it probably draws a good 250 maybe in this place, and it's always packed every two weeks, you know? And we put on and, – and, again, it's the kind of shows that we were talking about. It's not – you know, we're not diving from the rafters and, and you know, taking, you know, taking outstanding risks or, or, or doing anything crazy like we were talking about that's, that's just not smart. And we're also doing it. There's a lot of kids in the audience, so we're making sure that we're patterning. Really friendly. Doing. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can call. I mean, here for whatever reason, I guess because I'm from Little Italy. Okay, Jimmy Cicero from Little Italy. They call me Pizza Hut. That's the name that they they have christened me. I'm a bad guy. I'm a heel. And of course, the, when they say Pizza Hut, I get very mad and upset and everything. Else. Well, the kids love that, right? But how old is that concept? It's it's as old it's as the Why is it? So here's my question to you. you I'm 50, you're 54. You and I could have a match right now that probably gets over in any of the high flyers and we wouldn't lock up for five minutes. What the heck's right, happened? Right. Why right. can't that be that way? Right. I mean, I'll, I'll get ready to tie up and I'll stop and say, hey, make sure he's wiped off. He looks like he hasn't showered. He's, uh, yeah. just, and the fans get We're doing what's called working the crowd. Okay. Why is that stopped? Do you think why is that stopped in the business? I think that what happens is they see there's an influence, and and it's not to take away from these guys, but guys like the Young Bucks, um, things uh, along that nature, where they're watching all these high spots and they're becoming enamored with them. So the young guys want to come out there and say, "Hey, let's let's go ahead and hit this spot, this spot, this spot, and this spot." Meanwhile, if you watch the crowd when they do all that, it's like an oil painting. They're just so what there. do you think? Who's controlling this in the business that not allow this? The law really what the fans that really want to be entertained. Why did we get rid of that? No idea. But that you know what? When you're in the ring, when I'm in the ring, we'll make sure that we continue to, to give them entertainment, professional wrestling, okay? And we're going to dictate. I want them to digest every nook and cranny of what they're what we're going to give them. Okay, so that when we finally do take that bump, it means something. Right. So what? So I'm I'm, I'm trying to break down why we have allowed a business to change so much, and yet the fans really don't even they sit on their hands. I you know I wish I could answer that. I I don't know. It's. Unfortunately, it's become. Look, I I also like it to what the, what you see when you watch WWE right now. Okay, and again, I don't want to sound like Clint Eastwood get saying "Get off my lawn" and being the grumpy old man, but there was a time when you would hire Dusty Rhodes and Roddy Piper and Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair, and they would come in and they would be Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, okay, Roddy Piper. Nowadays, they bring people in and say, "Here you go. This is your new name." This is what you're going to say. This is what you're going to do. So literally, there's no creativity from the wrestler at all anymore. Do you think Vince okay. did that on purpose so he doesn't create another rock or a stone cold or something where they, 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 that, that become brands that they could go on their own and go somewhere else and make money? 
Well, that's probably what they're trying to do. But I think in the WWE, they don't have an opportunity. And they have, they have, look, I don't blame them when they're there because they're making the money. And that I understand that at the end of the day, as a in 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 that it's a business, you have to make you have to go where the paycheck is is going to be. But as artists, okay, you know, in, in professional wrestling, I'm watching it and I'm going, boy, oh boy. There's a reason that I watch the old, you know, 1982 Mid-South, 1981 Mid-Atlantic, old Georgia, the old territories. I, they, they had the TV show, The Tales of the Territories, that was on not too long ago. I love that because that was they're talking about the days of the old of gone by, the way it used to so be So you run. think it could ever go back in a way AEW is not, it's for the smart marks. I don't watch any wrestling. I'm not watching wrestling since I walked away in 99, to be honest with you. I watch all the wrestling documentaries. I love them. Young Rock, I've interviewed a lot of the stars from Young Rock. I'm such a huge fan of that. Uh, right. And and it's it's like, man, why don't they go with the the geniuses, the, flair, the, the book, to come up with the ideas? Don't let writers that have never been in a ring before talk about it. Or the guys that just did this deal, and now they're going to run the deal. And then they're, and they're all saying because they allowed the smart marks to control the business. There's right. got to be a there's got to be a revolution. There could be, at one point, I don't know. Well, and, and you never say never. I mean, right now you're talking about the WWE being sold. Okay, so what happens if they say, hey, you know what? There's a facelift that's going to happen a couple of years from now, and now someone is going to take over that says, I think we need to we need to give it an injection. We need to give it a shot of of what used to make it work. And then you see a little bit more creativity. You see a little bit more, you know, when they're when they're letting the athletes and the talent be themselves. Like you were saying, when you were, you know, the real deal, okay, and you're and, and then you say, okay, well, now it's the media giant, and you're able to talk articulately, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're okay. And and I did the same thing when I started off. I had the worst Italian, fake Italian accent in the world, okay. And after a few shows, I went, I got to drop that. That sounds so bad, okay. I mean, I. I I sound like, you know, like a Boston guy doing a New York Italian accent. Right. It sounded horrible. Okay. And I realized that. But again, there's something about being able to be comfortable in your own skin and being able to go out and say, hey, you know what? This is who I am. You know, if you're going to cut a promo, if you're going to be a character, be that character, be that person. But it's got to reflect who you are. Right. So, and and, what, so and you... that's probably what made The Rock The Rock is it reflected who he was. And and if you look at Flair, Ric Flair was Ric Flair. There's no freaking yeah. difference. And look at him re-transforming himself. If I was going to draw money, I'd put Ric Flair on top somewhere at, at his age, based on all the people, all the people who love him. And he would draw a house. Did you hear them rip apart his match? He was freaking seventy-three years old. Almost died. What are we talking about? Why are we going to critique that? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. that's the point. We don't get. Come on now, in movies, it's all fixed and making. And these people like it really can't do it. They do sixty thousand takes. So I don't know. I, I I just I don't understand what happened to the business. I think honestly, Vince did it on purpose so that no one could re replace what he's done. Now you can create it, and then when he sells it, who knows? AEW. I don't know if there is a lot of wrestling, but there's no story. I don't watch it, but I just can tell. And the people who get over are the ones that can talk on the mic. That's the bottom line. And that's who made the money in the old days. The people who could right. talk on the mic. Yes. Bill yes. Dundee, right. Billy the King Lawler, all these guys, they, they were unbelievable. And the match was just the story to end it, which was the fight. It yes. wasn't it's where the draw was. It was the talking. And the yeah. attitude yeah. there was all about the mic. And what's I don't know. Best, what's going to make the fans you know invest emotionally and that's going to be the promo you're going to the promos the internet interaction and now the fans come to either like love you or hate you and if you can do it well enough like you said lawler flair piper Rhodes, any of those guys then all of a sudden you find yourself you know steamboat i mean who didn't feel sorry for ricky steamboat or ricky morton when they're getting beat down right they just they had that gift where you care about that person and the moves are just kind of like fill in the blank i mean they're there they're not the most important thing by far. Okay. By far. I mean, I mean, and now it's the moves, but if I look at the guys that are the biggest in the AEW, it's their, it's their character still. Jericho's amazing. What he can do. Uh, the guy now that's 
looks is a short guy, looks like Jericho, but he can work the mic really well. And that's why he's getting pushed the way I don't even know his name, but I see the little bites on Facebook. So I, that's, but I, I honestly think I was not talented booked, right. And look at this. You, you look at, you know, Dustin Rhodes and where he was the big was gold dust. That's what his big character was. Right. And he, it wasn't it was work. It was, it, so it's telling stories and all that. That's the big thing. So Rockets are, so if for people watching Alabama, they could still become a wrestler, professional wrestler, right? And get trained by Jimmy Cicero, right? Yes, they'll be trained trained by Barry Koloff owns it. Jimmy Cicero is the head instructor. We're we're in Hazel Green, Alabama. And all they need to do if they want to look up uh, of the link on it's on Facebook, it's also on the web, um, Rocket City Championship Wrestling. All right. Well, I'm going to have to talk again. I already have an idea of different things, me coming back in the ring, but I want to enter. I want us, me and you to team up and tag against two celebrities. We got to get two celebrities from Alabama in the ring with us at rocket city wrestling and the media giant will make it happen. We'll team up. That's it. Cause we won't take any bumps. We'll beat the heck out of the guys and, and, and blow them up in the ring. And that's what we'll do. I love it. <laughs> All right, Can't cool. Wait. So, and and definitely you can check out uh, Rocket City Wrestling and anywhere. And I appreciate it, Jimmy. And thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Neil, brother. Great to talk to you. Uh, you're welcome. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect. And I had this guest on about 10 years ago with G.J. Reynolds and I were co-hosting, interviewing Nate Scott. I'm excited to have Nate back on, author, speaker, entrepreneur, and much, much more. Nate, thanks for stopping by. You know, we're going to talk more about your mission and vision versus your backstory because we, I mean, if anyone still listened to my 9,000 plus interviews, you can go back and listen to that interview. I might even post it in the Media Giant Facebook group, but tell me completely what your overall mission of why you're out there, you know, promoting and and helping other entrepreneurs strive for greatness. Well, it started as a result of being a teenager in Germany as a former enlisted soldier. When I got the knock on the door saying that we were going to be deployed to serve in Operation Desert Storm. And I'll tell you, Neil, it was in that moment that I really understood the importance of preparation, of instruction, and of guidance. And as I found myself in the desert in the pitch of night, walking the perimeter, I said, Lord, if you allow me to make it back, I will never waste that of my life. Because it was in that moment that I truly had some fear. And I realized in that moment that we all had the same 1,440 minutes per day. And when you subtract out the time for working, sleeping, commuting, and the time it takes you to do what you have to do each and every day of your life, most people left with just one to two hours remaining to do what they really want to do. But then the question is, do they have the money to do it? And so the reason why I do what I do is because in that season, I made a decision that my life was going to be fulfillment of that vow. And so it's evolved into Life is Rich Global, which is my company. And life is rich means I live in fullness every day because I realize I am Christ's heir. Now, that's not me beating anybody over the head with any Bible or it's not anything about religion. What it is about is me saying I know what a defining moment was for me as a teenager. And so my mission centers around getting the believer to believe. I want you and everyone else to know that you are the asset. That it's a matter of learning how to think versus what to think. And if you will begin by getting alignment before assignment, then you can commit to the process of growth. And as a result of that process, you can fulfill those promises that are already laid out for you by higher power. And so I'm excited to serve the way that I serve and to be able to close the wealth gap because life is rich. How to create lasting wealth, which is my book, is a principle centered, biblically based leadership program focused on personal growth and entrepreneurship. Every chapter begins with scripture, but then I say, so what? How do you take God's word and apply it on a daily basis? I address the cash flow danger that no one is talking about and think about what's happening in the economy right now. I talk about the fact that 77 million baby boomers are retiring and facing a cash flow danger. Yeah. That 66 out of 100 people age 65 earn less than $30,000 of retirement. That 47% of people say if they had a $400 emergency, they'd have to sell something or borrow money to address it. And 68% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. But it's about how to think versus what to think. 
And I excel at doing that because that's what I did with taking my soldiers in the battle, knowing if I got killed on the battlefield, the mission would still have to take place. Okay, and so, so Neil, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And it was a short you know, segment, but definitely have you back on again. So the point I'm going to ask you really quickly is specifically, what tips should you give entrepreneurs at this point in time? You know, there's a lot of people out there saying, where are my leads? Where, where's my business? Where's this? Where's that? And they don't have a plan. They're just going places. They're hanging out on social media. You see it all the time. You're like, what are they doing? They have no vision. And then they're posting or they're making a few calls or they're asking people, or I call sometimes begging people, hey, can you give me a lead? Can you help me out? Instead of having the confidence that they believe that they are a value to somebody else as an entrepreneur or their product or product is a value to somebody else. And they have to be able to show that either through their actions, their team's actions, whatever it is. What do you think is that missing component now? Because everyone looks at the economy. They look at, oh my gosh, a bank failed a couple of days ago. We're in trouble. It's 2008 again, right? Instead of ignoring that and just moving forward and doing it. Yeah. yeah. Neil, my recommendation more so than ever right now is to begin with what I said. You are the asset. You're the value. You're the treasure. You're the thing that has the capacity to continue to grow. And the most important thing for each entrepreneur out there to do today is to make sure you're truly convicted about what you offer. And with that conviction, I want to invite each one of you to maybe take two approaches to growing your business. The first is I want you to focus on developing strategic champion relationships, strategic champion relationships, which means I want you to invest the time to connect with people and give them the opportunity to truly get to know, like, trust and respect you. You want to ask those persons of influence that you can get connected to, which you can get connected to anyone. Ask those persons to give you the opportunity just to show you what, show them what it is that you're offering and why you're doing yes. it. Do that one-to-one. -one. And from that one-to-one, -one, here's what I want you to do, have two purposes. The first purpose of your one-to-one -one is to give the person a complete and accurate overview of what you have to offer, how you solve the problem and who you solve the problem for. The second thing I want you to recognize as your purpose is most important, which is, so that they can trust who you are as a person and the credibility that you bring and what you're offering, the sincerity in which you're delivering what you're offering. And then the confidence in the content of that which you are presenting to, to them and then that you want to present to other people. Because I believe about the speed of trust, that if you can establish the trust in who you are and gain their confidence in what you're offering, then you have the ability to ask them for them to open up the door, to put their name on the line for who you are and what you have to offer, because they can then have the assurance that being connected to you won't take them down. That's truly, Neil, nobody's going to bring you forward if they can't see how it's going to benefit them. Meaning you got you, you got people that drop names and drop people they know. Why? Because they think about it elevating their stature. And so that's the first one. The second is take that same approach to getting on stages, digital and physical stages. So I appreciate the opportunity to be here because this is an example of a stage. And so those are two things that I tell you to do after you've made the commitment to actually be convicted about who you are, whose you are, and what it is that you're offering of yeah, value. Absolutely, Nate. It's all about brand. And bottom line, in my in my journey, my 13 years doing this show, even though I was a former professional wrestler and The Rock wore my knee pads and I didn't tell you all the backstory of my wrestling career, that I had to reinvent myself and rebrand myself again. And we have to constantly, continually to grow. It's who we associate ourselves with. We, um, surround yourself with the right people. Secondly, after surrounding yourself with the right people, how are you bringing a value that's special? And then how are you going to differentiate yourself from your competition? If you're not able to do those things, forget about it. You're going to go in this bloody ocean of just challenges, as I talked about 
a lot of people out there begging, pleading, or sending out information, and then you get on the phone with them, and they're talking about, man, the economy's bad. Instead of really focusing, I'm something special, as you said, an asset, and that asset can take care of what needs to take care of. I have a little story for you, and I don't know if you remember, you've spoken to so many people, Nate. I was one of those lost souls 10 years ago talking to you, and I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing my tutoring business. I was all over the place. I wasn't focused. I'm a totally different person now. But ultimately, I had to go through this whole journey and learn to say, oh, my gosh, Nate was right. Uh, what was I thinking? And then also, wow, I, I really needed to kind of make those mistakes. But if you can go with someone like Nate right now and figure out that whole process and say, okay, he's really understanding me and he's going to give me the proper steps and measures to become rich, you know what? It is, but it's all about mindset. Let's say you do want to be rich, yet you have that doubt in your brain. You have that doubt. I'm never going to make it. I forget about it. Uh, you know, thinking about, oh, am I going to have the poverty mindset instead of a wealth mindset? And you teach all those things. And you, reading your books, the first step, right? Yeah, it's the first step to at least get your your your, your feet wet. But I would encourage people to go ahead and schedule that strategy session because the beautiful thing is they can actually download a free copy of a chapter that I think is just most valuable and to make the direct route to gaining access to me. And I'll do a 30 minute strategy session. And in that strategy session, it's all about discovering truly who the person is, determining if, if we're in alignment, and then to do an assessment of where they're at right now. And I can promise each and every one of them that if you lend me your ear, I'll give you my heart. If you lend me your ear, I will give you my heart. You'll walk away with value. And that's what you do is you listen, right? You look at the things. What do you think the mistakes you're taught? You talked about some great steps and, and definitely I'm going to look at those and say, am I really practicing them? Because again, if we're not open to learning, we're never going to be successful entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter if we've done decently, you cannot listen. So going back and listening to that part, but what do you think that entrepreneurs are missing right now? that you can provide for them? The most important thing I think is someone that truly is looking to equip. I educate, equip, and empower. Equipping means taking who you already are and building on top of it. Many entrepreneurs are going from this thing to that thing, from this event to this event, to this book, to yep. this, this YouTube. And making no money, and making no money Absolutely. doing all those things. That's spending right. The, spending all that money. See, if they spend it in towards me. They wouldn't be going from this to this. They would be focused and, and have the social media done. And you see, you need multiple coaches. This is the other thing. The more successful I'm going to be, the more coaches I'm going to have. The more I'm going to get into other areas. It's it's a journey. There's a really good uh, thing I learned. It's specifically, there has to be a checklist as an entrepreneur. You're right. They're doing all these things before they got their first three clients. You don't do that, right, Nate? Nope. You can't. You nope. have to hit to hit certain goals before you go to the next goal. And right? it's called proof of concept. It's about getting it proven, and you can get it proven with no money out. It's simply about going forth. And I talk about it in my book where I simply said about me having people following me after a talk and me simply stopping with my recorder and just asking them, Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. They gave me all this information. I said, so let me ask you, if I give you what you say you want, will you buy it? See, a lot of times people will talk about stuff. Yeah, but they'll never take action. Never take action. So think about it and think about the secret. The secret, oh, first secret said, hey, you know, you know, vision board, think it's going to happen at will. That's true. And that's the thing you talked about. But if you don't take any action by growing, you're not going to grow rich. So there you go. The problem is people don't take action. They say, I'm going to do these things. And you're like, no, you didn't do any of them. And people want, and they want success overnight. It's not success overnight. You've put so much effort into where you are today, right? That's right. That's right. Miles Monroe says that knowledge is information, understanding is comprehension, but wisdom is applied knowledge. You talk about the big gap is the fact that many people don't actually understand that which they're gathering. And that's one of the reasons why working with someone like me, working with someone like you is so important is because at least 
we have an understanding. We may be a few steps ahead. And as a result of that, the person doesn't have to stay stuck trying to figure it out. It's like having a textbook, an algebra book, trying to read it through and trying to figure it out. Yet you're missing all the things where if you get someone that actually understands the fundamentals, you can actually learn because they can actually explain to those things that way. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're smarter. It just matters whether or not you can use your smartness to move forward. Yeah. That's the secret right there. Yeah, okay. And best place people can go to schedule a call. You know, you had an event this week I, 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 that you've been having a virtual event, but you have a lot of other things going on. Where's the best place to go? Lifeisrichwithnatescott.com. Life is rich with natescott.com and you get a free download of a chapter of life is rich how to create lasting wealth and as a result of that you have the opportunity to book a 30-minute strategy session with me all right nate we appreciate it thank you all right you're listening and watching the neil haley show and we'll be back and just we're back to neil haley show and the media giant effect i'm excited to welcome the, the program author paul hollis paul thanks for stopping by man and i'm excited to learn about your book and how you became an author how are you I'm good. Um, thanks for having me on uh, and giving me the opportunity on your show today. Um, I'd actually like to talk about my books and um, uh, let your audience know what they're all about and and just quickly talk about two aspects of them. Um, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. I have I have um, a, a series of three um, number one best selling uh, multi award winning trilogies and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, they are uh, called the Hollow Man series. I don't know if you can see this cover here, but that's uh, that is the first one, the first book in the series. Uh, so it's called the Hollow Man series. Uh, this is that was the Hollow Man. Um, I like to, and they're about terrorism in Europe. So I'll start with that, and that that kind of thing needs a little bit of an explanation. So, um, I like to say that, uh, 80% of the of these stories are about 90% true. So um, let me get into to the a little explanation of what that's about. Um, the storylines for for my uh, uh, books here um, come from some incidents that occurred in, in the early 1970s. And uh, okay. they, they actually trace uh, some of my lesser known experiences uh, of traveling in Europe as a young as a young fellow. Oh boy. Uh, to make a long story short i met a guy in uh, 1973 who uh thought that i was actually wasting my time digging latrines in in east africa with the uh, with peace corps so he had a better offer for me uh, and uh, that offer was this um, at the time terrorism was was kind of growing in in europe and and uh, they were and the us was kind of looking for ways to understand it and find out what was what was happening at the time so they did not visit our shores here so uh, what what I was assigned to do, or what he wanted me to do, was to uh, is to to learn as much about what was going on as I could in in that. So it meant following following people and gathering information, et cetera, like that. So most of the most of the um, acts of of uh, violence and terrorism at that time were very specific and personal, and um, and the, the damage was focused to a distinct kind of a of a um, definable kind of an enemy. Um, but terrorism then it, it was starting to, to come across this familiar familiar um, chaos that we see today, which is really going against uh, uh, you know forgetting about the political prisoner political figures because they could they could actually be replaced you know, a dime a dozen you know as, as we as we see today. Um, <clears throat> so they no longer wanted to bother with that. So they so they went after this new idea of random. Uh, acts against uh, our children basically innocent people um and and those targets of, of the innocents were much professional more for um, preferable to these guys because it, it it kind of hit the shock and the hurt that that we all had close to our hearts you know so so now we're now they're picking on innocent people as opposed to just sort of uh ideological political sort of guys so so that was uh that was kind of the the environment that I was in. So, um, and here you have a you have a guy that's kind of not a hero. He's 23, 24 years old, um, not particularly clever or capable or talented or tested or any of those sorts of things. So, I was just actually trying to survive in a in an uncertain climate where this terrorism was kind of changing the rules on how we live, and kind of making my way through uh, Europe. Uh, 
it, there's no Jason Bourne, James Bond in in the books. It's more okay. like a if you could if you could picture a guy in a red shirt in a Star Trek uh, episode, that would be me. Uh, that that would uh, uh, the, the the word that I've always come up with is expendable. Right? <laughs> and, but at the time, 23, 24 years old, I didn't know the difference. You know, it's just like, oh, I, this is something more interesting to do. I can travel Europe uh, all I want and on oh, their wow. dime and, and uh, go anywhere I wanted to just so I was available when they needed me to to basically track somebody down. So. Uh, so what about the writing itself? I mean, uh you know, a lot of a lot of the reviewers have told me that that th these books should be on a on a uh, big screen. You know, so uh, um, here's what here's why I believe that that's true. Um, my writing is is very visual. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, it's important for me to to completely immerse readers, uh, drawing them into every aspect of of every scene, and because uh, I wanted them to see what I said, saw, felt feel what I felt and, and come up against kind of the, the same kind of things that, that, that they would, uh, that I felt at that time. So they would be sort of standing there right next to me, basically. So, um, so what, so what happened with all that is that, is that when I, when I, when I feel that I got that right, uh, the, the reviewers are, are kind of backing me up to say, Oh boy, this is really a cool thing. And, and they should be on, on the big screen. So, so, there are two aspects that that really I, I wanted to talk about yeah. in relation in relation to that. Um, yeah, so I'm going to jump, jump jump in this, Paul. So basically, sure. based on this experience, you wrote books that are they telling really your true story or more new characters based on what you experienced? No, um, that the the, uh, the protagonist is actually me. Um, you get to you'll get to know me really well. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh man so I, why did you so what was the reason you've gone direction for your books of a different route because this seems so intriguing so your goal is to get these in the film to, to become a movie then right yeah i mean that that's my you know christmas wish you know sort of thing but uh but, but uh as long as i as long as my readers are kind of thinking wow this would be a great thing because i can actually see it in my head and see it on the screen that's enough for me because I, I really want people to read these stories and and kind of have the fun, the same kind of fun, even though there was some terror and, and all that sort of thing with it. You know, there's there's always still a sense of humor in all the books and, and that kind of thing, too, as well. So I'd like, you know, I'd like the the uh, the readers to, to do that. And if I can ever get a connection to a, a, a director, producer, agent, whatever it happens to be. Um, that would be that would be awesome as well. But um, yeah, all of this stuff happened to me, um, and I was I was sort of the the gringo of the the deal. Um, the, the the first book actually starts out with a major explosion. I won't give you any. Uh, I mean, uh, this just sounds so amazing. What has been your talks so far? Because again, my connections just to, to to people and stuff. What have been your talks so far to get this to a movie? Have you gone to certain movie producers? You've talked to different people because it's very intriguing, especially it being a bestseller. How many times are you a bestseller? Um, well, one number one bestseller is from all three books. And, all three. Uh, so, yeah. 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 So, so, um, you know, it, it is, um, I, I've kind of been really, really busy kind of trying to do my best at marketing and sort of thing. So the, my goal for this year is to actually get it to uh, producers or movie people of, of some sort to, so that it, so that they can actually tell me if, if it really is kind of the style that would belong on a big screen that, that you know, it doesn't have a chance. Is, is there anything that needs to be done with it or anything like that? So, so that's really what, what my goal is for this year. And I've, I've had a couple of contacts with, with uh, people that said, yeah, it's, it's really good. And then I sort of hear crickets for a while. So, 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 like, so like, who are you talking to? Because that's the key thing. And that's the big thing is meeting the right people to see the story and to specifically see what's happening and i mean it's so amazingly to think about you're the hollow man london bridge is falling down and surviving Prague. this stuff reminds me of you know what um what's the show on amazon uh what's his name that they had the right oh, jack ryan maybe yeah you're like a yeah. jack ryan but yeah. real yeah like it was yeah ryan was fictionalized and you're looking at the 70s so people should love that time period because you could have the dress of the 70s and everything into the films 
and they're looking for TV series all the time. Wow. Well, that would that would be uh, uh, that would be the dream, you know, to, of a lifetime to just have actually to have somebody look at it to say, oh yeah, we can we can use this or we can't use it or you know if you change this or that. But but what happens in those books is is one hundred percent real, and I'm probably have been. Uh, I've had my my hand cut open here with a, in a knife fight. Which, believe it or not, I still have a scar that's like two inches long here from from a knife fight. I've, I've uh, been almost I've been shot at more times than you can imagine, and and uh, I've um, uh, I've had a, I actually had a uh, have a um, uh, in the books series of books a um, an MI six agent who actually was uh, a, a female, and and sort of that's kind of the love connection with the with the book. So it's not all about you know, slaughter and mayhem and all that sort of thing. But, but uh, it, it, they are endlessly filled with action, which is what I felt at the time. It's like, wait, I need, I need some time to rest. This <laughs> sort of thing. The I, um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. And you don't want to give away. This is the big thing. When you, if you do right. a bunch of podcasts and give it away. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.